You see, people collect all kinds of things. New, old, priceless, worthless. Darling, it doesn't matter what. I simply must know why. Those mothballs shouldn't get to keep all the secrets. This is the Mothball Prophecies. Hello and welcome to the Mothball Prophecies. I'm Samantha Mashburn. And I'm Jill Huffman. And today we're sitting down with our first local in-person guest since 2020. She's a macrame artist, reseller, and a reseller of vintage and pre-loved items, Welcome to the show, Kelsey Runge of Valley Made Studio. Hi, thank you. Oh man, we were <laughs> we were talking before we started recording about how like just very excited and anxious and nervous and yeah, all the feelings, all the things. All the feelings. Me too, me too. Thank you for coming to a stranger's house yeah. to sit in her basement and record. Yeah, for a second I was like, should I be worried? And I'm like, nah, I'm good. No, you can <laughs> true crime. You can yeah, Google you search. Yeah, totally. Like, I mean. Most people would give pause when somebody's like, just look for the skeleton on the porch. Yeah. No, I was like all about it. Like, <laughs> yeah. let's do this. That's <laughs> Meredith. She moves around. I also, I need to find a, a metal worker, you know, like porcelain doll stands. <laughs> I need one for Meredith so I can move her around the yard and have her stay standing. That would Ew. be a great idea. Because she's currently tied to my front yeah, porch. Yeah, she has to be tied to something. Yeah. she got. She's going to get an outfit change here soon. I'm thinking a bikini. Can she Ooh. be like stripper pulling your like, um, yeah, like your number holder? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The I should have her do like a flash dance, like yeah, <laughs> move in the front yard. <laughs> yeah, she. Um, I Meredith came about during last year when everybody was home, right? And mm-hmm. I was like, everything's imaginary and people are losing their minds. Yes, of course. So I got her at Home Depot, and she was originally just a Halloween skeleton, and then I was like, I'm not ready to say goodbye to you. This relationship. <laughs> So then I just said to my husband, I said, is it okay if I dress the skeleton up and she stays there? And he was like, I mean, if I tell you no, you're still going to do I it. I was just going to say, my husband would say the same thing. Yeah. Do what you want. You're going to do anyway. So she's, yeah, so she's always, and I, it paid off the other day. I was sitting, did I tell you this? I was sitting in the kitchen looking out the front window and I saw a mom with her kids on bikes go by. And the mom points at the front porch and starts laughing and then hollers back to her kids to look and I looked at my husband. And I went, I did it. I win. You made it. <laughs> I made it. You made it. I'm now the the skeleton lady. My goal is to make people think I'm a witch. That's the goal. I, like I know. That. Well, I'm already the odd man out in my neighborhood because my house is completely different color than anybody else in the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And so far, everybody's like, oh, my God. I didn't even know that was an option. And I'm like, <laughs> like, there's so many colors out there. You could do whatever you want. Yeah, because your house is... It's like a teal blue. I call it like Caribbean blue in the front. Mm-hmm. And then it's gray and black around the house. Mm-hmm. And when we were building it, the builders were like, do you, you sure you want those colors? And I'm like, yes, yes, I do. And then my husband's like, do we? Are we sure? And I'm like, no. Trust the process, guys. Mm-hmm. Do you love it, it now? I love it. Yeah. <laughs> it's so I love my house so much. And the, you're what stage you're building? We're gonna build, yeah. Um, it actually is kind of how I came up with my name is based on where we're building. Um, but we're gonna build a house in Swan Valley, Idaho. So we're gonna be right at the base of Mount Baldy and we're building wow. a shop house. So it's gonna be a massive black shop building. It's gonna be a piece of art. I'm so excited. Oh, <laughs> I knew you were one of us. Um, I knew it. I, know. <laughs> I knew it. I can't and wait then, to see yeah, it. Yeah, so like half of it will be living space and half of it will just be like massive garage space so it's perfect be great yeah yeah we have a lot of toys to put in that garage so. well because what you do for a living <laughs> yeah 
Um, so I'm actually a senior designer for Climb, technical riding gear. So I design, I own and design the entire men's and women's motorcycle and off-road gear. So they brought me out to Idaho. So they're the reason I'm here. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I designed the gear. So just apparel, I do like the jackets and jerseys and pants and stuff like that. I don't do hard parts like helmets or goggles. So just the apparel side. That's but, so cool. I know. Yeah. Sam was telling me that. I'm like, oh, man, she's too cool for school. <laughs> she's too cool. <laughs> yes. So I do ride motorcycles and dirt bikes and all of that. And it's been awesome out here. Oh, so man. Idaho's a massive playground for right. everything fun. So. You know, it's funny. I'm born and raised in Idaho and I've never ridden a snow machine in mm. my life. Like never. I didn't know how to say climb until the last probably decade. Oh, that's okay. Europeans still say climb a lot. Yeah. So it's okay. <laughs> See, it's okay. okay. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Good company. You are not the only one. <laughs> yeah. Because you are from Ohio originally. Yeah. So I grew up in a really small town in Ohio. It's called Antwerp. Um, I mean, it's like a 2000 people town, one stoplight situation. Uh -huh. um, so I actually like two weeks after I graduated high school, got out of there and moved to Louisiana um, I was on a D1 scholarship to play volleyball. Nice. So <laughs> I went to college uh, to play volleyball and I took a fashion apparel degree there. Um, and then within the first year, the college actually dropped the entire fashion program. So wow. I had to make a decision to like oh, stay no. for my scholarship and switch my major or transfer and try to play somewhere else and still do what I wanted to do. So I transferred. <laughs> it was a huge decision in my life, but very happy I made it. Um, so then I finished up at Buffalo State in New York. Wow. So I finished playing volleyball there, got my fashion degree, um, and then started working right away at Under Armour in Baltimore. So I designed hunting and fishing gear for Under Armour. Jill's for dying. About I am like... Four years. Can I just like... You're Jill's <laughs> Wonder Woman. <laughs> like living vicariously through you. Yeah. Like, that's what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And I stupidly listened to my family. So... Yeah, gases. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure my dad will listen to this and we've talked about it, but he was very against me going for fashion design. Mm -hmm. And I think I decided to do it when I was like 10 years old. So it was something wow. that I never wavered yeah. on. Well, and I always blame them too, because I had it all figured out. This yeah. is what I was going to do. And then they're like, no, don't do that. So I went to college. I spent a good, I don't know, three years changing my major like 10 times. Because mm -hmm. I was like, I don't know what I want to do now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then I became a nurse. Well, and I think when a lot of people think of fashion designer, they think of Chanel. New York and, City, high fashion designer. Right. And yeah. not like... Yeah, there's the, like... like every, how do you think these other clothes come around, yeah, guys? They no, just show up out of Narnia. It's true, though. And I, I did a podcast for So Heidi because she's uh, somebody that tries to promote the fashion industry and get people to go for fashion design and kind of like show them through the process of it. And she uh, did an interview with me because it's kind of rare to become a senior designer by my age. Like I'm pretty young. Mm -hmm. So she was just like, how did you do it? <laughs> um, yeah. So it was fun to talk to her about it. And I think that's the one thing I gave as like advice to people trying to get into it is just like stick to your guns. Like if you know what you want to do, like go for it. Because if you change your path, you kind of have to start over. Mm -hmm. So I specifically chose technical outerwear like right out of college. And now I'm like a professional at that. Yeah. Where if I would have switched to like high fashion or switched uh -huh. to something a little bit more stylistic, like it would have been a completely different lane. I would have had to start over. Yeah. So it's been really cool that I've just like kind of stuck to what I know and like Mm -hmm. I don't know. Well, it's one of those things when you know for yourself, you know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like I knew I was going to be a hairdresser from like my freshman year of high school. And everybody's yeah. like, don't do that. It's not a real career. It's not this. It's not that. You're not going to make any money. You're not going to, you know, X, yeah. Y, Z. And I was like, I don't want to do anything else. I don't want to go. I want to be tattooed. I want to wear what I want to wear. And I don't sure. want to have a boss. 
And that's what yeah, the same year on bus. <laughs> I stuck to what type of hair I wanted to do and what I wanted to be. And now I'm very fortunate to work three days a week. I'm home with my son. I get to do this like yeah. because I chose that path from early on. Yeah. Yeah, just, it's true. Like you just when you know, you know. And like mm-hmm. for me, it was kind of I don't know. I'm the oldest of all of you. So <laughs> I had a little hard time. Oh, but um. <laughs> No, like, so I went to, and I love nursing. I love being able to uh, do what I do. But when we built our house, that was my time to prove to everybody that I was right. Mm-hmm. And even when through the whole building process, Cassandra has listened to me bitch about all time. And when it came together, everybody's like, oh, oh, you know what you're talking about, <laughs> even though you don't have a degree in it. And mm-hmm. it's like, guys. Uh, yeah. I love that. <laughs> like, I still look like Sam knows I love art and I love paintings and mm-hmm. I love colors and I love designing in any aspect that I can get my hands on. And when I got to build my house, I was just like, mm-hmm. and it's beautiful. I, get to do what yeah. I, want. I know. Yeah. And so I forgot That's to tell awesome. you. So, our house was one of the models that they hadn't done forever. And I rearranged it quite a bit. And mm-hmm. then they're building another house the same as ours the exact same way. So they saw yours yeah. and liked it. Probably. And they like the builder the whole time is like, are you sure you want to do it like this? Are you sure you want to do it like this? I'm like, yes, mm-hmm. we're doing it. And now they're doing it for another house. And I was like, yeah, big win for Jill. Mm-hmm. That is a win. That's awesome. Well, and my husband, his dream house is like a shop barn house. Yeah. Like that's something we always talk about of having a place to do all of our hobbies and also having a place that we live and relax and enjoy and yeah we bought this house five years ago and at the time i was like the kitchen's too small they're this and that but then we've just kind of like grown into it and i garden and i have all my garden space in the back and yeah so i'm glad that you're here and you're experiencing like literally all the best that idaho has to offer yes yeah because i think people confuse us with ohio or iowa often (laughs) well and a lot of people that come from the east coast over here they're like where the fuck am I? No, that's actually true. Like when I first, so my boss that hired me at Under Armour actually hired me out here. So he's from this area, worked oh, for Climb before. Cool. So that's kind of what brought me out. Like it was, it wasn't totally random, <laughs> um, <laughs> but he had, yeah, contacted me a few times and they had just lost their motorcycle designer. So he asked me if I'd be interested and I had a really bad day at work at Under Armour that day. And I was like, sure, let's do this. <laughs> so I had to like look it up on a map, like literally. Um, and then I saw it was like an hour and a half from Jackson Hole and I'm like, hell yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> let's do this. Yeah. When I talk to my friends that have never been here and they don't live here, I'm like, we're like this far away from Jackson and this far away from Yellowstone yeah. and you can wrap paddle boards and go to Palisades. Like there's, and they're like, just, I'm like, yeah, like everything's like an hour from my house. So close. Yeah. And then you have the modern luxuries <laughs> of being in Idaho Falls. Like it's a fairly, I would say big city for Idaho. <laughs> oh, definitely. Yeah. So we've been in Idaho Falls now for about four years. So where's your husband from? Um, he is from Buffalo, New York area. So uh, we met at college. He played basketball and I played volleyball. So we were like the athlete couple. Oh, love. <laughs> yeah. No, making your romance in the mountains. Yeah. So he keeps like following me around the country wherever my career takes me and he loves it. And yeah. I love it. I That's love fantastic. It. Yeah. That's we're glad you're here. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> and where the way I heard about you was, um, it's about a way we learn about a lot of our guests is somebody will send me something on Instagram and be like, oh, look at this person. They look pretty cool. And I opened it and I was like, oh my God, she's a local. I'm like, we've been looking to get back to interviewing local people and local people in the vintage scene. Right. So I messaged you 
And then you message back and you're like, oh, I don't know that I'm really what you're looking for. I did say that. Which (laughs) we get a lot because we do talk to a lot of collectors that are like me and they have collected. Well, even collectors like you still tell us like, oh, I don't I don't don't think I'm the one. Yeah, I don't know anything. Uh But I knew that you were one of us because you don't just list the stuff that you find. You research it to death Mm -hmm. like I do. And that's how I'm like, she's she's a true one of us i've grown into that i didn't start that way no and that's what happens but yeah (laughs) Uh uh-huh because once you find the first bit of information about something Mm -hmm. then you're like oh shit there's got to be something about this yeah and there has to be something about that i like the history part of it oh Mm -hmm. yeah for sure oh yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) that's what everything i could tell you everything about stuff in this basement what it was made where it came from all that stuff because like and it you said something about like you didn't grow up in a family of collectors other than your grandma, right? Yeah. So my grandma, I know, collected China because she gave everybody a set. She downsized her house, moved and gave everybody a set. So I have that. Um, so I knew she did that. But I actually discovered this morning when talking to my dad, learned new things every day. Um, I told him I was doing this and I told him that they asked me about family history. And he goes, well, do you know I used to collect beer cans? And I'm like, wait a second. So I started talking to my dad about this. When he was like 13 years old, he used to collect beer cans from like the 40s and 50s. Um, and he actually, he he collected them for a long time, but um, he stopped once they went from steel to aluminum. <gasps> so all of the, he has over a thousand beer cans that are all made out of steel. And he said some of them you even had to like open with a bottle opener because they didn't have like a pop top. So they're like old, right? And he's like telling me about this. And I learned it for the first time this morning. So yeah, he collected old beer cans, apparently. Oh, I love that. See, ask your family. Yeah. (laughs) Ask him about your local murder and (laughs) (laughs) if if they collect anything. Yeah. Because that's the, I think like um, a lot of people think of like a collection having to be a certain age or a certain this or a certain Mm -hmm. that. And I'm like, you could literally collect like lottery tickets and I would want to know about it. Yeah, it was just interesting because he said like uh, Jimmy Carter was the president and he his uh, brother, Billy Carter, made his own beer called Billy's. And he has a six pack of this Billy's beer. And that was like his holy grail of fines because you asked me what mine was. And I was like, I don't know. And then so I asked him what his was. And he was like so excited to tell me. Oh, see, I love And that. I was like, Dad, I, did, I didn't even know this awesome. of you. <laughs> Does he yeah. have any pictures of it? You should. Can we get some pictures? He said he still has all of them in his attic. Oh, so I wow. doubt he has pictures, but he can totally take some. I would. I would love, love to see that. Yeah. I need to see that. Agreed. Yeah. So they're back in Ohio, but I'll totally ask him. Oh, see yeah. my I think my grandma like a lot of grandmas had china sets right mm-hmm. and had glassware and all of that stuff and like as I've grown and started collecting more I've moved away from that because I feel like I've already like ticked that box mm-hmm. of like but then there's also I still have a ridiculous amount of glassware who am I fooling like there's still it's so easy to find that's mm-hmm. the thing and, and they're so beautiful pretty and yeah. cheap half the time mm-hmm. like I bought a cute little depression pink butter dish for two dollars and it's not like i can't not buy that like (laughs) my husband's like what are you doing with that i'm like i don't know Mm -hmm. it's pretty it's a slight addiction sometimes yeah so what because you were like i'm i'm not i'm new to this i don't really have collections so what brought you to the vintage world okay so kind of what started this whole thing is like valley Mm -hmm. made studio is my now small business name 
Um, and I started that based on my macrame only. Which your macrame is chef's kiss. <laughs> Thank you. It's been really fun. So I And I started doing macrame because I discovered that it's a stress reliever for me. It's like free therapy to sit mm-hmm. there and like tie knots. But it's also a form of me being able to like use my creativity and not be critiqued for it like I do at my job, right? Mm-hmm. Like I get critiqued every single day. I have to go through multiple people to get something through the line. And this is a, an outlet for me to be like, I can do it ever I want mm-hmm. <laughs> and I can be creative however I want to do it. Um, so I started with that. And then in February, I found out I was going to have to have wrist surgery. So I just got wrist surgery. So this leads into oh. kind of like my vintage side. Um, so when I got wrist surgery, I knew I wasn't going to be able to macrame for a while. And I had already started um, buying and reselling like thrifted and pre-loved items as for me, it started as a form of there are a lot of beautiful things out there and I don't want them to end up in a landfill. So I'd rather mm-hmm. reshare them and find people that can like relove them for the beauty that they have now. Um, so I started doing that and then I got wrist surgery and then macrame kind of got pushed to the side for a second. Yeah. <laughs> and I went like full force into like vintage treasure hunting. Mm-hmm. See, <laughs> so, but you started it for like the exactly right reason. Yeah. Like there's been in the last year, I've seen so many resellers pop up, right? And I see resellers that pop up just to turn a profit and then resellers that pop up because they're like, somebody else needs to love this still. That's me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because I mean, I have my full time job. So this is really just something I do in my free time. And uh, with my wrist surgery and everything, I couldn't ride dirt bikes anymore. I couldn't go snowboarding. Like I couldn't do anything else that I normally do um, because I was kind of stuck not being able to so i the literally surgery. yeah so my wrist surgery like kind of sparked the whole process for me yeah. <laughs> but i'm very grateful for it because i've kind of come to love it um and i've started to bring it into under the name valley made studio so it's all one but that started initially for my macrame and now it's mm-hmm. both so which i think they go together yeah really really well oh yeah too. for sure yeah and you're i mean already killing it like your product photos and stuff when I saw your stuff, I was like this because I was like, she's a designer, but I didn't know mm-hmm. exactly what for. And I was like, she understands composition and lighting like a motherfucker. Like I <laughs> was looking Thank at you. stuff and I was like, this is so well done. So well done. That was one of my favorite parts in the beginning was staging and picking stuff out to be mini collections because I went kind of crazy. I will say I've learned a lot and I'm a lot pickier mm-hmm. about what I buy now mm-hmm. and stuff. But in the beginning, I just kind of got super excited and bought everything. And like, um, and I loved putting together like mini collections and taking the pictures. And mm-hmm. it's because it's the other artsy side of me, right? Yeah. Like it was just this continuation of like, how else can I be creative in life? I want to do it every day. Yeah. Um, so the picture taking and stuff was fun for me. Yeah, it's so but. good. <laughs> well, and did you? Okay, so you you mentioned, I think we all do it when we start thrifting. And we just see shit and we're like, oh, it's oh. Uh, and then you start just my husband's doing it right now yeah yeah he just buys whatever he thinks is like great or he'll come up to me like is this valuable yeah and And i'm like well i'm like not really it's this or it's that and he's like oh and i'm like still nice doesn't have to be valuable but as a reseller it's a little different than collecting yeah for yourself what's your process when you go thrifting so now what i've tried to do is instead of just buying I used to buy a lot of things because I would see other people selling them. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And I used to be like, oh, well, she sold this. So that means I can too. And I bought a lot of stuff that I didn't I didn't personally love. Mm-hmm. But I knew I could resell it, kind of like you were saying. Um, so I've stopped doing that because I really want to have more of a style. Mm-hmm. And I want to focus a little bit in more so I can get like 
my crowd a little bit better. Yeah. If that makes sense. Your brand, um, your niche. Yeah. So I'm still filtering through a lot of stuff that I've bought already. I have a lot of inventory. <laughs> I'm one of those people. I have like boxes of stuff I still have to go through. <laughs> and I can't stop shopping. So uh-huh. it's definitely a problem. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Don't look at the other end of the basement. I know. Yeah. <laughs> Jill just side glancing at me. Like, yeah. I know somebody else who does mm-hmm. that still. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm planning on having. <laughs> A yard slash estate sale at the end of the summer. That's what well, I need I to just, do. I just like go by. But I'm in an apartment. Yeah. Right. When we live or we talked to Shermie, she was like, she just kept collecting and she knew something would come together. I'm like, that's a great idea. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what I'm doing. That's I'm the whole. buying till I get it all right. And that's how the whole basement and house has yeah. come together. It's like, <laughs> I'm like, I know I need this for this because you can't find everything all at once. Yeah. Well, you can, but I don't have that kind of money. No, I don't. Yeah. Either. I mean, the glassware drop I just did, I've been accumulating those items for at least two months now mm-hmm. and i just like find a piece here and there and i push it to the side until i have a collection i want to present so yeah. um it's been fun doing that site so so yeah so i kind of um realized as i was finding things i would like buy them to sell and put them out there for other people and then i would be like i want to keep this and so that's kind of <laughs> that's kind of how the collection started <laughs> um so i'm doing that a little bit and then i i support a lot of other people doing this um during my process so i like promoting other people that are doing it um, and buying from them so Mm -hmm. i started like finding myself purchasing things from other people and making my own collections Uh uh-huh yeah yeah yeah. that's Um, what this podcast has done to us yeah yeah Yeah. so that's Uh where i'm at now (laughs) yeah this like being a part of the vintage world like before the podcast was like Oh, da, 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 you know and then starting the podcast and talking to people turned it up to 11 and it's like my collection grew tenfold into the pieces that I wanted to have versus mm-hmm. like finding yeah. stuff like as a placeholder until it's madness. Yeah. And I found myself like I'll keep something because I really like it and I'll be like, I don't want to sell this. But then I find things I like better mm-hmm. and then I'll be like, OK, I can let that one go. So mm-hmm. I'm like filtering through my stuff and then like yeah. posting it. As That's I go. what I'm doing right now, because like when we moved into the house, I forgot of all these stuff I have. And I have like certain Pyrex patterns that I'm like, ooh, this doesn't really fit me. But I don't know if I want to sell it yet. Yeah. Like I'm like, I'm going to sell it. And then I just stare at it. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, I'm not going to sell you. I'm just kidding. Yeah. I do that process too. <laughs> we call it, it's called antique or vintage foster care. Uh, yeah. That makes sense. <laughs> uh-huh. So you yeah. bring stuff in and you're like, I love you. I love you. Yeah. <laughs> but somebody else is going to love you so much more. And that's also how I justify, like, the swung vases you saw upstairs. Mm-hmm. I just got those. I had a killer week vintage shopping. I got, and I got them as a plan to resell them, right? Yeah. But in the pictures, there was no measurements. There was nothing. And the I didn't realize that they were, like, in the above the kitchen nook, mm-hmm. right? That's, yeah. like, on the 10-foot yeah, ceiling. Yeah, because the picture I saw, it looked like they were just, like, in, above, like, a little shelf. Maybe, like, no, those maybe- are massive. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> so I took my friend. Luckily, I took my tall friend with me that day, Erica. And we get to the house and it was my first auction pickup ever. And it was fucking chaos. Like there was just everybody knew what they were doing. And I just like walk in and I'm like, I don't know where I check in. I don't know. Like I could have gone in and grabbed stuff and just left. N- nobody would have been the wiser. And so I just stopped and I just went, I don't know what I'm doing. I know who do I talk to? What do I do? And this old lady goes, well, you have to stand in this line and get your invoice and they'll tell you where your stuff is. And I took one more step and I looked up and Erica and I both went, Jesus Christ, those are so big. <laughs> I love them. 
They, they are, are probably the biggest ones I've ever seen, yeah. especially in person. And but. I got six pieces. Yeah. And then there was no ladder. So I had to put my tall friend oh, on. Geez. You needed my husband. He's six eight. He could have just like. Holy cow. <laughs> yeah. And it was like, thanks for coming with me. So she got up on the chair and was reaching into that spot. because She's probably as tall as you. Yeah. And um, then the guys that were helping come in, they're like, well, we can get the rest of those. And they got the last two. And I was like, thank you for that. They really, <laughs> but there was no ladder. Them. I there. still want that. <laughs> so, yeah, so I got these six swung vases. The tallest is probably three feet tall, easily. And it's the floor setting red one. I'll post pictures of it. I got them. And then when they pulled them down, they were like dingy kitchen, right? So they were like grease covered, cobwebby. There were some dead bugs. I love that. That's Put my the biggest favorite. one in the car seat. <laughs> I like cleaning stuff. And it's like, <laughs> wow, you're way more beautiful than I thought you were. Yes. <laughs> and the best cleaner I've found is Dawn Power Wash. For glassware. Okay, good to know. Holy shit. Really? So I was terrified to wash those. Terrified. So I had them in the uh, kitchen and I had them on a vintage towel and I soaked them in that Dawn Power Wash. And then I went to check on my toddler and make sure he wasn't burning my house down. And by the time I had come back, the Dawn had slid all the way down and off and all the dirt went with it. So all I had to do was rinse it. There was no scrubbing. There was no hand washing. Yes, I've ruined a couple of things by like the not knowing you shouldn't scrub it. Right. And I, yeah. So that's really good to know. So yeah, the Dawn Power Wash is okay. chef's <laughs> That is a good tip of the day. Tip. Yeah, that is. Because mm-hmm. I've got some glassware that I'm like, it's all got like different crevices mm-hmm. and stuff. And I'm like, I don't really know and how it's, to clean I mean, it. if it's gentle too. enough yeah. for a duck, it's gentle enough for vintage. Put yeah. it on a shirt. <laughs> but I also found like some vintage ceramic um, salt and pepper shakers and I use it on that to get the grease off without having to like scrub when it. It works good. Yeah. Hey, and I'm then totally I, gonna be doing so that I had tonight. the glass vases and I bought them to sell them. And then I'm like, well, not now. They look too great in my house. They do. They I look wouldn't really sell them. good. I, I mean, I would want to buy them if you I do also sell don't them. Ship them. <laughs> Noted. Yeah. They'll be local. Oh, gosh. Yeah, I've no. learned the hard way. Well, when you told me, because you got them all for what, 40 bucks? Mm-hmm. And I was just like, oh, Sam, that's not. Just and then fair. I walk in, I'm like, holy shit. Yeah. Yeah, and then I found Velvis this week. Oh, yeah. I like that nickname. My four foot tall hand painted Velvis. I really like the frame he came into. Yes. And he was, as soon as I walk in, I ask the people, I go, what's his story? And they tell me their mom brought it back from Mexico or Texas, somewhere there, carried it home, put it somewhere that there was like no light in the room because he's hardly faded. He didn't have any lint on him. And they were like, yeah, my mom loved him. She always took really good care of her stuff. And then I went, is there any more? Do you have any more stuff uh, for yeah. sale? And they were like, sure, come on over. So I went to the house that they're selling everything out of and got a pick. And I was like, this is fantastic. But I got him and then I got the two other. But I got Elvis for 40 bucks. And I was like, another thing where I was like, I know he's valuable. And then he, I was like, you belong on that wall. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like, if you should can't ever get rid leave of them. that wall. No. Yeah. <laughs> But what did you, because you didn't start with collections. You didn't have collections growing up, right? No, I didn't. I used to collect really pretty rocks out of my pond. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. We've all done that. Oh, yeah. yeah um, that, my husband still does that. I mean, I like so does the, mine. <laughs> I like the idea of collecting. And my dad was like, okay, yeah, you're not going to have rocks all over. So he just like dumped them back in the pond one day. And I totally cried. But oh, I was I pretty young. Them up. Yeah. I, I pre- did that to my husband. <laughs> we went to Bear Lake a couple weekends ago. And he's like, I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, look at these rocks. And I'm like, oh, okay. And then he puts them in a styrofoam cup and he just looks at me. He's like, don't throw this away. And I'm like, I'm not going to touch your rocks. <laughs> we get home and I'm helping cleaning out the truck. And I throw the cup away. He's like, where's my cup? I'm like, what cup? He's like, the styrofoam cup. And I was like, 
Oh no. It's in the garbage. And he's like, Jill! I'm like, I'm sorry. I was tired. And you always throw garbage away and I was being helpful. And oh man. Uh And then he was in the garbage to get in the cup. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I didn't really. I do. I will say though, I've learned enough about myself. Like, I know I have a very obsessive personality. Like, when I start to love something, I go all freaking. You are in very good company. Uh Yeah. And I would say what I have the most of in my house, as far as what I've collected, is plants. I am a plant oh, person. Oh God! I just started. It is. An, it is an obsession it's of so, mine. It's getting now. bad. Yeah, because I'm like I have to have every single variety and every color of everything. And then we moved into this apartment, and I was like, "Fuck!" So I sold like half of my plants. Cried about it for like a week. Yeah. So I have like a hundred pound monstera in my corner of the apartment, and every time you walk by, you like hit it with your shoulder. But I'm like, it's fine. He's gonna stay there because I cannot let Give it go. Give him his space. Yeah. I'm like, don't worry about him. He's fine. You know. Like, it's not any different than like two 13 year olds living in that same small space. Same. Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> it's fine. Just so, as angsty. Hard yeah. To take care of. Yeah. yeah it's yeah. fine. I just go all in all the time on everything I do. So I didn't have a piece of uranium glass until the last six months. <laughs> a piece. Then I do this thing now where I will talk to somebody and I like buy a piece of vintage for that guest and I have it in my collection and my house isn't big enough. <laughs> It's not, but it's, I, I love, just like you, I love the learning aspect of it. Yeah. So when you first started, what were you like, okay, were you buying because stuff looked old and nice or what were you, what was your initial game plan when you were like, oh, I guess I need to do this now? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I've always loved the treasure hunt, like the actual thrill of just finding something really Mm -hmm. pretty on a shelf that like is cheap. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I was like, I've always loved that. And I think I started um, like initially it was more of the very vintage, classic vintage things like floral cruels and stuff like that. And Mm -hmm. I was, but that's what I'm kind of going away from now because Mm -hmm. although it's beautiful and I love the stories and the history behind them, I don't personally, it's not something I would personally put on my Mm -hmm. wall. So when it doesn't sell, I'm like, I get frustrated because I'm like, I don't want it though. So now what do I do with it? (laughs) Right. So I figured out like as I've grown and like as I search for things, I kind of find things that I would personally love because then I'm like, if it doesn't sell, I'll just keep loving it forever Mm -hmm. and it's fine. (laughs) But if it does sell, that means somebody else loves it as much as I do. And that's also fine. Mm -hmm. So Honestly, I it's been such a blur because it's happened so quickly. I'm not even sure why. But I started, I instantly started researching other people doing it um, at, in the beginning. And then I got really excited because I'm like, other people are doing this. This isn't something I made up. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, so then I was like researching, like, what are they selling? How much are they selling it for? And I just liked that learning process. Mm-hmm. So it just kind of went full force. And that's the problem, too, is like, you, like you were saying, the cruel work. Like, I see people sell that stuff all the time on Instagram yeah for crazy amounts of money yes and then you list it and nobody it's like crickets yes that happened like, to me recently I found an amazing one it's like two feet by two feet so it's this big square and it's this massive beautiful floral vase embroidery it's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen I don't personally love it for mm-hmm. my style but I'm like this is going to sell in a heartbeat I'm going to list it for x amount and it's going to sell in one day and it's been sitting on my site for like over a month probably but then I see other people sell smaller ones for a lot more uh-huh. money. And I'm like, why don't they love mine? <laughs> or they do auctions for yeah. them. And then it auctions. I for... tried mine as an auction and nobody even commented on it. It's... But it's very confusing to me, too. 
So that's mm-hmm. why I'm like, maybe it's just not my audience. Yeah, and that's the the hardest part about, I think, finding your brand in general, mm-hmm. finding what works well is that trial and error. It's that, um, okay, I've seen people buy this, but are my people going to be into this? And then it starts yeah. to reveal itself into what, I don't know, it's almost like what you're meant to sell, what you're meant to be, like the shepherd of vintage-wise. Yeah. And then I'm sure you've experienced this now too, where it's like opening a floodgate. You start to learn about one thing and then you realize what other stuff is. So then you're like eagle eyes out on the hunt. One of our recent ones that were Jill and I look for, I know we look for it everywhere we both go, <laughs> is Oven X Pans. Okay. We had a guest on the show that talked about collecting them. Jill and I were like, what's that? And now it's like... The Holy Grail estate sale find. Wow. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, I'll have some upstairs, obviously. Yeah, I would love to see some. <laughs> and I can't to wait you. to listen to the episode because it's probably going to reel me into. Yes. And that was with Baker <laughs> Betty. She has an incredible vintage cool. baking collection. Incredible. That's incredible. Jill's thing. And we went to the same estate sale this week in Pocatello. And Jill missed a piece and I saw it the next day, the next morning. And I bought it and I told her, I said, I got something for you. And she's like, I got something for you too. <laughs> <laughs> and I found a six muffin pan, like muffin tin oven X. And oven X are great because they have starburst patterns okay. in the muffin pan, or they have a waffle pattern. And the the ones that made it, they made it for home bakers in a commercial baking like setting. So they wanted home bakers to be able to be like things will release from the pans. It'll be better, yada yada. They were wrong, but so they only wrong. made it for a decade. And then it stopped. Interesting. So it's, see, this is where the problem starts is you're like, oh, I know. Now I got to find them. Yes. Yeah, because <laughs> that's what we do. Like, we'll yeah. learn something and we'll be like, shit. And then we'll go to a sale or a thrift store and we'll see it and we're like, shit. Mm-hmm. That excitement <laughs> is why I keep doing what I'm doing, I think, too. It's just that actual thrill of like, oh, my, like my fairy lamp I found because I was literally let out a small scream in the uh, store. Yeah. <laughs> like I was so excited. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was like I traveled to Boise for the weekend. My husband had like a woodworking class in Boise. So I'm like, I'm going to go with you just so I can thrift Boise. <laughs> and it was the most fun thing I've mm-hmm. done in a while. That's why that curtain is over the garage door is because my husband also does woodworking. Oh, cool. And my garage looks like a wood bomb went off in there so i'm like we're just gonna put this over this yeah but that's that's the 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 thrill of finding something that somebody else doesn't know that's there yeah and fairy lamps i came across those this last year and i came across a fenton one that's made of uranium glass and it's like creamy like almost like silk porcelain like fenton glass Mm -hmm. oh my god and then when i saw your i was like oh my god See, they're just beautiful. And I loved them and I knew why people love them because they're beautiful and there's always like a story and I like that. But and they're, the colors are just like, oh my God, there's mm. so many different colors and shapes and everything. But then I told myself if I find specifically the one I found, like the amber stars and stripes one, it's the only one I would keep and I would sell every other one I found. And then that was the only one I ever found. <laughs> so... And I, it was meant to be. It was, it meant, was to meant to be. To be. <laughs> yeah. I love that you collect amber glassware. Yeah, but I'm, I, yes. But I know it's like kind <laughs> of generic. Like I feel like a lot of people do it right now. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm very specific about the ones I keep. And then the rest of them I'll just put out for other people. So but I, I feel like it really fits your vibe. 
Yeah. Like really fits who you are from what I gathered from your questionnaire and like looking through your Instagrams. Yeah. Like you're very Southwest boho, all of that stuff. I think Amber glassware is perfect for you. Yeah. So the shop house we're building is going, I'm calling it my modern mountain house because I still want it to look like a beautiful piece of our house. Um, But it's going to be very industrial. So Mm -hmm. like black exterior, like all white walls on the inside. It's like super industrial, but I am going to have like, some vintage touches yeah. because I love it now. And Amber, I found these amazing glass, like Amber, um, like light fixtures that I'm going to have hanging over my Island. Oh. So it's going to be like all green and black and white. And then there's going to be these Amber glass. Oh, I think oh be my gosh. Yeah. I can't wait. So Amber glass one. specifically, I love, and I think it's just like the perfect mixture of my like industrial modern side mm-hmm. and my vintage side. Mm-hmm. They like go together. <laughs> Yeah, because it's really, I think, glassware in general is pretty timeless When because you can really throw it into any type of vignette or style mm-hmm. and it will work. Yeah. Yes. Where there's other stuff that looks like it's old, you know, and you can't like, I just bought this um, lamp that is an yes. old dryer <laughs> hood literally yesterday for the basement because where else are you going to put that? Yeah, it's perfect down That's here. That's true. Right. And I'm a hairdresser. And so I'm just like, hell Yeah. I got to do research on it. I got to figure out exactly how old it is. My husband carried it down here last night. He's like, this thing's so fucking heavy. And I was like, you'll never have to move it again. It's staying in the basement. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love it. But you, you, you were on like this little bit of a faster trajectory of learning about vintage because mm-hmm. you had the common mistakes that we all make, which are all there. Everybody's going to make them when they're reselling. And I made it with, I sold a piece of jadeite for way too cheap. And now I like double my research. I've done that. Yeah, and I was like, shit. Yeah. And my my intention isn't like to necessarily like resell all the time as of right now, but to have the ability of being like, hey, here's this thing that I'm selling. When, where did your research start for you when you were looking? Like, were you just like typing in generic terms? Were you just Googling stuff? Yeah, I just started like googling it and i also rely on more experienced thrifters than me because mm-hmm. i've actually reached out to some of them to your point like for the most part the community is super inviting and excited for other people to do this as well so for instance like i found a really pretty um like frosted satin glass like pink fairy lamp like the little one and i i had no idea what it's called i had no idea who made it Mm-hmm. Um, and I tried Googling and I couldn't find anything about it. So I just reached out to another girl that sells them all the time. And I was like, hey, do you know what this is? And she came back to me with like so much information. Mm-hmm. And then I was able to like pick those terms out and research it for myself. Like I didn't just go off of what she said, but um, it was so helpful to get me like going in the right direction. Um, so I've, I've asked a lot of questions. Mm-hmm. You did the same thing for me the other day. Because <laughs> like, I love yeah, to look stuff up. Yeah. I'll mm-hmm. just like put it out there like in my stories. Like, does anyone know what this is? And like. Um, and I usually get pretty good feedback. Yeah. And then it's a place for me to start from at least. Yeah. And I love that the majority of the vintage Instagram world is that way. Yeah. Of like, hell yeah. And they tell you what it is and how much it's worth and what they get really excited because they know. Mm-hmm. So they want to tell you because mm-hmm. they're excited. They know. <laughs> well, and it's fun, especially like that candy dish that you said. Yeah. You were like, what is this? And I was like, I know it's crystal mm-hmm. because there's been a lot of crystal in our thrift stores lately. Like I don't know what family donated their mother's entire crystal collection, but there's a nice front row seat in hell for you. <laughs> Cause it's been yes. at the DI it's yes. been at the Goodwill and it's not like one or two pieces. It's like 
pick the lot. best ones that are on the shelf. Yeah. And I was, so that's why I was like, I was like, I think I know where she saw this. So I was like, is it heavy? She's like, yes. And I was like, okay. And then I did Google Lens. I searched it there. I searched it on eBay and I searched it on Pinterest because sometimes you can find stuff on Pinterest. I've done the Pinterest thing before. Have you used Google Lens? No, but when you mentioned that, like, I feel like I should try. It is. It's not great all of the time, but to get like a generic of like, this may be this brand, this may be that. And then you could take it from like different angles. So like, that's how I found like with the Velvet Elvis. That's how I found like, maybe when he was made what he was kind of sold for stuff like that right yeah totally and then searching on ebay i feel like everybody doesn't know this but they should when you search ebay it will give you listings of stuff that's listed currently do not go off of those prices no go to the filter scroll down and click sold items and that will give you a better idea, an average price of what that piece is going for right now. Yeah, that makes sense. Because people will put stuff on eBay wanting to get something for it, knowing it's an expensive piece of XYZ, and they're just going to put whatever price up there. So there's been a there's a family in town that's doing kind of an online estate sale that's doing this. And it's all I can do to not message them and be like, hey, I know eBay says that this XYZ is $50 right now. But it's sold for ten dollars. Yeah. So I feel like, and then I reach out to like we had Megan from Goods Resurrected on the show, and she's going to be putting together. She puts together little highlights of like mistakes were made when she was vintage reselling, because hmm. she's resold for twenty years. Wow. So she'll be like, "This is how I found this. This is how I did that." It's just there's a lot of information in the vintage world and when you can find people that are like, yeah. And when I started out, like a lot of what I was finding was just like really pretty things that looked old, but I did find like some of them weren't actually as old as I thought they were. Mm -hmm. So I've learned through that process as well. So that's why I'm a little pickier now. Like sometimes I'll either, I'll even try to like research it before I buy it and make sure. I'm forever Um, in the store with my phone out. Yeah. Cause I'm learning. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, you can't just call everything vintage. (laughs) Like you have to Mm -hmm. actually know that it is true. Well, and I'd made the mistake of one day seeing something on the shelf and like debated and left it on the shelf and then went back for it and it was gone. Yeah. Just put it in the cart. Don't. Yes. I did that. Even if you change your mind later down Mm -hmm. the aisle, put it in your cart I do that. Yeah. And I have left some, there's like one thing I left and I'm like, wow, I should not have left that. What was it? It was an amazing like handmade quilted celestial blanket and it had like a massive sun on the middle and it was like clearly it was clearly old Mm -hmm. and I was like at the time I wasn't into the celestial stuff I wasn't into the quilt stuff at all and now I'm like if I had only picked that up Mm -hmm. like it was beautiful yeah I've done that I've done it more times than I'd like to admit or I've been like I'm not paying that much for that and then I see it and what it sells for and continues to sell for so what I have a stroke (laughs) whatever and i like okay so it's not open right now but in the entertainment center right there it's a complete vintage first aid kit Mm. do i need that no but like knowing that there's like so much original stuff in there i was like i put it well, and a lot of the time like the stuff i buy is just because it's cool like nobody else has one Mm -hmm. and Okay, that's usually my downfall because I'm like, nobody has this. And then I go to somebody's house and they have it. I'm like, oh, I thought I was the only one. Mm -hmm. But I've done like I'll go and like the estate sale you and I both went to because I went on the first day Mm -hmm. 
And I just was throwing everything in my basket. I didn't even know if I was going to buy it or not. But at the end, like I was like, I was like, no, I'm just going to take it all. I'm not, I'm not leaving anything Mm -hmm. behind. I was in line picking things because the line like wrapped all (laughs) through the house and like, yeah. And I stayed out in the backyard for the longest time. And I was like, all right, now I'll get in line. And as I'm going to, I'm like, oh, no, I don't need it. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'll just put it in my cart, and then like I came home with like six extra items. Yeah, that I like I it happens. I, just, I can't. <laughs> I have that. I get that anxiety. Like if I don't get it, somebody else is gonna get it, and mm-hmm. then I'm gonna regret. Like I have such bang anxiety. Yeah, they way. call it like FOMO, like uh-huh. fear of missing out. Yes, I have that too. Yeah, hardcore FOMO. Yeah, hardcore fear of vintage regret yes because i don't know that there's any regrets worse than vintage regrets okay thank you for telling me what fomo means oh fear of missing out yeah i'm trying to be that hip mom and when my daughter uses it i'm like (laughs) oh sure do you want to hear the tragedy that happened the other day so i don't think that i look like an old lady but apparently i look 95 to the youth (laughs) of the world how do you think i'm at least 110 (sighs) yeah crypt keeper yeah basically so we're in the drive-thru at Dutch Bros on Saturday going to this estate sale. And uh, oh, Friday, I'm going with Erica and Melissa. Erica's first estate sale, really, as an adult. We have the Suburban. We're ready to fuck it up, okay? We got cash. We're getting caffeinated. I love this. And Dutch Bros makes all right coffee. <laughs> it's not my first choice. It's okay. There's Sometimes too much it's conversation. Not real coffee. Yes. No. Like, they, they don't know how to make coffee. No. They jump through like your mixtures. car window, yeah. pick your booger, and then take your order. <laughs> yes. One time at Dutch was my friend, they offered to take the trash out of her car. And she was like, rolled her window up. She's like, so I don't go because I have anxiety. And I just like, please don't talk to me so much. Please. So we're in the line. We get to the checkout. And this girl's like, you know, hey, what are you guys out doing today? <laughs> and we're like, we're going to an estate sale. And she's like, oh, I love those. Those are like so fun, huh? And I was like. Yes, they are very fun. <laughs> and then I have to remember, you don't have a mask on in the car, so you need to keep your face inside voice. <laughs> and then, uh, it's so bad. So then we're talking about something, and the girl looks at me and my friends, and she goes, well, I don't... Have, do you guys know what TikToks are? <laughs> and Erica goes, oh, that's fucking rude. <laughs> that's offensive as shit. Melissa is cackling in the back seat. I am beside myself because now I'm going, oh my, oh my God, she doesn't think I know how to use the internet. I should just use Braille and a carrier pigeon from this moment forward. <laughs> Welcome to my world. And then she starts Aww. to backpedal and she goes, well, I mean, my mom really loves TikToks too. And I'm like, drive away. Get out of this. Girl. <laughs> she hands us our coffee and we're just like looking at her and she's like, well, have fun. And we're like, yeah. And then I'm just, I just screamed. I was like, I don't, ah! <laughs> I hate this so much. And then I couldn't double down to prove to her that I was cool and that we were cool. Oh no, you can't, you can't, you just have to let it go. It took me forever to just let it go. Like one of my son's uh, friends was like, I had my phone and he's like, oh, <laughs> your mom has an iPhone. Like she knows how to use that. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, you guys don't even look that old. Thank you. Dude, I had the very first cell phone. I know everything (laughs) about this. And then like my daughter will say something and she'll be like, well, mom, do you even know how to do that on the computer? And I'm like, 
I'm the one that taught you, bitch. Mm-hmm. I'm 31 years old. Like I am. Also, my little brother's 16, and he'll be like, think that I don't know how to do anything on social media, and I'm like, um, <laughs> no, that's yeah. It so doesn't get better when uh, you become 40. I'm just gonna either. lean into it. My yeah. crops should show up any day now. The rest of them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna pick an outfit and just be like an old grandpa. You know, yeah. I don't have kids reminding me how old I am all the time, so don't. I haven't experienced that just too don't. much. <laughs> and she was like, totally thought that we were just gonna be like, yeah, sure. Oh well, I went to Dutch Bros when they first opened here, and I was like, my judgment on how good you make coffee mm-hmm. is your americanos. Yeah, if you can do americano, you're probably pretty decent. So I drove up, and the it was some kid. He's like. Hey, ma'am. And I was like, hey, strike one. Starting off great. <laughs> I was like, hey. Bows, curtsies. He's like, what can I get for you today? And I was like, I just want a small Americano. Okay, like, do you want like five sugars and some cream? Yeah. No, just black. Well, do you want like some flavor in it? No, just black. A black, small Americano. That's all I want. He gets up to the counter. He's like, she needs an old lady coffee. She like, did not. And then I took a sip. As I was like driving away, I was like, fuckers. I took a sip. It was water. So I threw it out the window and I drove off. I was like. It wasn't even good. I don't think I've. I've I've asked them if they can do a cappuccino. I'm like, you just do a straight cappuccino. No, they don't know what that means. Uh, They did give me one, but it wasn't that great. If it doesn't have like 20 squirts of sugar and half a carton of cream. They don't know what you're asking mm-hmm. for. This, yeah. And then I go to Starbucks because Starbucks is like the Tim Burton of coffees. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Everybody's a little sad. Everybody just wants and then be on your way. That's it. That's Which is all. kind of great sometimes. Like all I want. you just want your coffee. You want to keep going. And- yeah. I know. I love the Starbucks office sunny side because they know me because I stopped there because mm-hmm. it's literally on my way to work. So I'll pull up. They're like, hey, Jill, the usual. And I'm like, yes. I love it. Thank you. Yes. I've arrived. (laughs) So um, now that you're a little bit deeper into the reselling thing, what do you, what do you find revealing yourself as your brand and like your corner of the vintage market? Mm -hmm. Great question. So I think where I am going with this, I've kind of made up my mind a little bit. Um, I really enjoy the Southwest style stuff. Like you noticed. Um, And I like things that, look like they're specific to this area Mm -hmm. because there's not a ton of people living out in this area of Idaho, Montana, Wyoming that like Mm -hmm. do this, I feel like. So I've gravitated a lot towards like the Southwest stuff and like the lodge decor and like ranch stuff and things like that, that look like they are like originated here. Mm -hmm. So I think that's going to be something I focus on. And then I do still love vintage glassware. Like I love colored glass. So I think like it's really fun to find. It's really pretty. I like washing it because mm. it's like pretty. It's like <laughs> so candy. I like spending my time on it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll probably still do some of that because it's so rewarding to find things that you're looking for. Um, but yeah, I just want to kind of, I don't know, still figuring it out. <laughs> Which is great. As you should be. And I think that you really are finding like your niche and your market and like what to expect when they go to your page. Yeah. Where are you shopping locally? I'm curious. Literally yeah. everywhere. Right. <laughs> yeah, I, I do literally everywhere. Everywhere that you can. I um, recently discovered Trackside Mall, the antique mall. Mm-hmm. Oh, you yeah. got to have like a lunch halfway through that fucking place. No, that actually happened. So I went for the first, <laughs> I went to the first, for the first time in my life last Sunday and I got there right when they opened around 12, 1230. 
And I was there till about four o'clock. Mm-hmm. I spent four hours there. So I'm glad my husband didn't come along because I asked him to. And I'm like, oh, he would have left a half hour in for sure. Right. Yeah. That's a great place to spend time working with like eBay and Google Lens. Yeah. Searching stuff and like looking it up while you're in the store. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, obviously things are priced a little higher there too. So mm-hmm. I thought I found myself looking more for me mm-hmm. than I did for like the reselling aspect of it because they're selling it at prices I would want to sell it for. I'm not going to yeah. try to like overprice something just because. Um, so obviously all the thrift stores, the Goodwill, the Idaho Youth, Deseret, like mm-hmm. all of those I go to quite often. Um, yeah, kind of everywhere I can. Oh, I was going to tell you because you're fairly new to yeah. the area. Follow when the when the college in Rexburg gets out. Because the kids at the college dump all their shit at the DI. No way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh huh. So you can find like sometimes brand new stuff and also really great vintage. Sweet. For because they have nowhere else to do it. Yeah. No, that's good to know. Yeah. Um, and they just remodeled. I drove up there one Sunday, and their site said they were open, and we drove up there as a family. Not Sunday, Thursday. We pull in the parking I was gonna lot. Say, yeah, they're, they're not open. On definitely not open on Sunday. <laughs> that was a trick question. <laughs> <laughs> we pull into the parking lot and they're closed. And we had driven 35 minutes, 40 minutes to, and I was so fucking mad. But I was like, what else is there to do in Rexburg? And I was like, nothing. Literally nothing. Especially, <laughs> yeah. I, I found myself like making thrift trips out of like other vacations. Like we mm. went, I oh, yeah. drove with my friend to go pick up a dog she was going to rescue in Twin Falls. And I was mm-hmm. like, ooh, I'll drive with you. Does Twin Falls have any thrift stores? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I go and I'm like, can we go ha- an hour early? And like, See, so you I are find, one of us. Yeah, so totally I find myself like us. planning around uh-huh. it. Yeah. I know. So we went, it's been a couple of years, we went to the Oregon coast and we, um, it was me and my best friend, her family, and we stayed in like hotel rooms, but there was like, we didn't bring any blankets or stuff. And she was like, I didn't want to bring it. I was like, don't worry. They've got a goodwill in that town. We'll go there and get sleeping bags. <laughs> Why would they? Also, I don't know how I feel about buying a sleeping bag at the goodwill and not being able to wash it. Yeah, oh, no, we washed it. Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> Did they have a lot of sports equipment? Yeah. Oh, people are just so like, any of the resort, t- like <gasps> touristy towns, yeah. like oh, shit. especially like, um, like Victor has like a sporting goods thrift mm-hmm. store. There's that we, a lot of ski stuff. We in love it. going yeah. there for winter stuff. Whoa. But we went there and we got like four sleeping bags. The kids got like sand pails and stuff for like all that. And I bought some brand new Tiva flip flops and we sp- spent like maybe 60 bucks oh yeah yeah and then my best friend was just like this is a thing how did i know that this is not a thing yeah driggs has a what driggs has a an awesome thrift store yeah i think it's called see and save maybe or something like that but um i get i get my hair done in driggs i drive up to driggs (laughs) every like six weeks to get my hair done my hairdresser there is amazing she's like one of my best friends now um, but yeah, so I always do it on Saturday so I can go to the thrift store. I like mm-hmm. plan my hair. Plus a beautiful drive to go get your hair done. Yeah, really. it's beautiful. And yeah. I'm going to be moving up to Swan Valley, which will be a lot closer right. once we're up there. Totally worth it. But yeah. Well, and that's, um, the blanket you have. I went to the Goodwill bins for the first time this year for my birthday. Have you ever heard of the bins? So I have. And I think there's one in Salt Lake, right? Yeah. Okay. You almost feel like you're going to die when you find it. Because yeah. it looks like a place you're going to get murdered. Like, as you're driving, because it's really industrial. Yeah. And, like, filled with potholes. And you're just like, okay. We went. And that's where I got this, that blanket, the other Afghan, and the alphabet one that was behind Jill. 
and some towels and stuff, but it's by the pound. Pound, right? You put your whole shopping cart on a So I yeah, I paid scale. for the Afghans and so five dollars. Five and I saw the vintage. Now, it is an experience. Like I, <laughs> I wish I would have had say, gloves. I don't know if I could handle the bins after your stories. Well, you gotta make you gotta use your own judgment. Oh, I, mean, I can't wait. I'm gonna do it. It is like <laughs> you just go, don't wear your super nicest stuff because it's, you know. Yeah. But M- Melissa and I went and we spent probably an hour just digging through the bins. Uh, and I you love just that. move like row by row. And if you like know what you're looking for and you're looking, it was one of the like treasure hunting, like taken to the next level. The coolest thing. And then we spent the first day thrifting. We went to because there's a, I, we did a DI map like from Idaho Falls to Salt Lake City and there's like, 15 di's or something and they're all right off the highway yeah so we're like going and we're digging and we had spent so much time at thrift stores by the time we went to an actual antique store it was like these prices overwhelming yeah yeah and salt lake prices are way different than ours and then we also like my favorite ways to pick are like of course thrift stores antique stores have you been to collectibles no i haven't but i'm not i haven't gotten into it enough i think to appreciate it but i think i could now and Mm -hmm. i would appreciate it yeah i think so yeah (laughs) because there's across from the trackside mall it's like by the is it the vw dealership uh oh i know what you're talking about it's like long and i always call it collectibles because that's what the biggest sign is that you see yeah that one is a that's a great antique store that has sometimes prices way below retail okay that you could resell stuff for it's and it's also so fun to walk through yeah that one's my favorite yeah and then there's two estate sale companies in town there's one that's called friends and family they're great they're the um heavy winks in air quotes (laughs) and then there's wild hair estate sales which we had linda on the show and hers are in Pocatello. That's what we went to. Sometimes she does them in Idaho Falls. I love her sales because it's fair and honest pricing. They know that probably resellers are coming, right? So if I see something at her sale that looks like more than I would pay for it, it's because they've already done the research to see what it's selling for and what it's sold yeah. for and pick a middle of the road right before so you could still make money on it interesting okay i'll have to check them out and hers are then they do on sundays which we were mad that we did this to ourselves today we always do this to ourselves sundays linda does this thing called box it bag it drag it what i know so you go on the last day right now all of the pieces of furniture are 75 percent off everything that is draggable is 75 percent off then there's a box and it's usually like a U-Haul or Home Depot mm-hmm. box, the square ones. You can fill a box for $15. Oh my gosh. This is trouble. Trouble. So I was checking out on Friday and Linda goes, you know, we're doing box it bag it on Sunday. And I was like, son of a bitch. I'm like we're recording. But I have found Hager pottery doing that. All of the linens that I have in my house are from a box it bag it drag it. Um, I do. I'm switching all of my towels to vintage towels. Cool. I found um, an entire set of Lennox porcelain china at a wild hair sale. And it's a 16 piece setting that I got for $50. Oh my gosh. So yeah. And there's also really great auction houses locally. I want to check out the estate sales for sure. Cause I think um, you asked me earlier, like how I got into it. So I'm sort of backtracking, but like no, growing up, my mom and I, one of our favorite things to do together was garage sale. 
like every time garage sale season came upon us, mm-hmm. we were like ready to go. And like all of, we, we just have so much fun at them. Mm-hmm. And then I even, um, for my wedding, my husband and I got married here in Victor and I decided I wanted to do vintage uh plateware so i did all mismatched china for all of my table I settings i have the most gorgeous pictures but i just did like yeah i thrifted every single plate setting i got at my wedding um and they were all mismatched and i purposefully mismatched uh, them and like uh-huh. so i guess there is part of me once i think about it that's like always mm-hmm. kind of been into it and i just never really realized it or like gave it the time and effort to like take it further yeah but I, I definitely feel like looking back, like I've always had a part of me. Were there things that your mom was buying from yard sales to collect? Like, did she have? Not really to collect. We just had fun treasure. Uh-huh. It's the treasure hunting aspect. Yeah. It's the finding something cool for like 50 cents that you're like, well, I just scored. <laughs> like, and yeah. yeah. And it's also like, I am a big fan of like, if I need, and I'm learning now to like buy other like household essentials at estate sales. Like I always need picture hanging nails, right? Right. I'm like, I need to buy yeah. that stuff at sales. I always need like the notebook Jill's writing on. I always need notebooks. I always need paper. I should just buy them at estate sales for next to nothing. Yeah. And it's a great little vintage notepad. I know, it's adorable. I love repurposing and reusing and that mm-hmm. whole aspect of it as well. Like, I've always been into that, too. Um, so I, I just think I've evolved from mm-hmm. that. <laughs> yeah. And that's one of my my biggest push, I think, for using a lot of vintage in my house is for that same reason. Of, like, yeah. like not being so consumer, like, buy something and then throw it away and buy something and then yeah. throw it away. Yeah, I want to avoid that. Yeah. For sure. And that's, you know, that's what, something we want to teach our son. And like, I also like, I want my son to appreciate old things also and appreciate the stuff that's in his house. Like he has um, a vintage playware, like play kitchen in his bedroom and vintage play kitchen stuff and all that stuff. I just, I, I'm always so worried about stuff ending up in the landfill that yes. has a great story. Yes. Agreed. Always. I think that's mm-hmm. what was my drive in the beginning. Mm-hmm. It was more for that. Um, and I just have, I have fun doing it. Yeah. I My husband always asks me that question because I'll be like super stressed out trying to package up orders or take pictures. Like, oh, I have to finish taking pictures. And I get really stressed, like mm-hmm. very anxiety driven. And he's just like, take a breath. And he's like, are you still having fun or is this overwhelming for you? And I'm uh-huh. like, no, I'm still having fun. You just got to give me a minute. Yeah. <laughs> he, he gets worried about me, but I'm like, no, it's still fun. I'm just, I, I have a lot going on. Uh-huh. My anxiety starts to kick in. When I'm packaging orders, because I'm like, is it going to arrive how they want it to arrive? Yeah. Are they going to think I'm an imposter because it doesn't look like I know what I'm doing with wrapping this? And then like third, like I just I just get so in my head about like just everything. I'm I'm anxiety driven. That's part of the reason why I haven't sold any of my Pyrex yet, Mm -hmm. because I'm like, oh, my God, what if I wrap it and it breaks? Yeah, I've had that happen. mm -hmm. Yeah. like That's my biggest fear. And my husband's like, that's the stupidest thing you haven't even tried. And I'm like. Yeah, but future Jill knows that this is going to happen. <laughs> yeah, it's a little scary. And I always try to use recycled packaging as well. So mm-hmm. mine's never pretty. So if that puts your mind at ease. And I always warn them too. I'm like, hey, just so you know, I'm like reusing everything I can. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's not the and prettiest. I think a lot of people in the vintage world know that yeah. and appreciate it Because when I buy anything off of Instagram, I always know that it's not going to be like professional. <laughs> but I appreciate that it's been wrapped in bubble wrap 30 times. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. And yeah. I try to do that because I'm like, I'm not going to throw this away because then you're not it's like going backwards from your mm-hmm. original purpose like and i have that there's a closet on the other side of the bar that's where all my boxes and then i work in a salon 
And so there's lots of packing material that comes through. Sure. Yeah. So like every couple of months I save stuff. So if you ever need packing stuff, send me a text. We have Sweet. <laughs> um, our esthetician carries a sustainable skincare brand. So everything they ship stuff in is already recycled or recyclable. That's awesome. So, and it's, I save it's the perfect size boxes. Yeah. I grab that all from work too. Cause I know all right. those like plastic, we get a lot of gear shipped in and stuff like that. And I was like, I know you're going to throw that away. So I just bring it home. Yeah. So try to do that as much as I can as well. Oh, I love that. <laughs> yeah. And we ship, we ship stuff for our Patreon and then getting ready to sell some other stuff out of my collection. Ooh. But, um, speaking of selling things out of a collection, it's time for Jill's favorite part of the show. No, we should let her plug her stuff first. Yes. Where can we find your vintage, your macrame, oh. and all of that stuff? Okay. Yeah. So my Instagram is at Valley Made Studio. Um, so I'm on Instagram posting things pretty regularly for sale. Um, and then I also post sneak peeks of my macrame pieces. But I don't currently sell my macrame on my Instagram. So mm. I actually do have... Um, a website for that that I built from the ground up. So Woo. my website is valleymadestudio.com. That's yes. it. I bought the domain. So it's it's legit. We love that. I feel very yes. official. <laughs> uh, so valleymadestudio.com is where you can find all my macrame for sale. Um, but yeah, those are the two main sources I use right now because I try to kind of branch out and use other places to sell and I get too overwhelmed. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. if this was what I did full time, I would probably do that more. Yeah. But for right now, this is all I can manage. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so those are the two the two spots. Yes, I agree with you. We have we bought our domain. We yeah. own the mothballprophecies.com. And we have our website has the capability to sell and we will be selling some things after this episode comes out. There will be stuff listed for sale through the mothball prophecies. But that's it's, super cool. Congratulations. I'm so excited. We'll show you before you leave. <laughs> yeah. Well, the announcement will come out bef right after this episode. We had to rebrand the moth and we hired a fantastic graphic designer that has killed it. We have new cover art and we have a new logo and we will have new leather key fob keychains listed for sale. Yeah. Shortly. We're very excited. Super cool. Mm -hmm. But something Jill's never excited about. No. Is the estate so sale walkthrough. So much regret. It like brings up bad memories. <laughs> so the estate sale walkthrough, for those of you that are new here, was made up and manufactured in our very first episode of the Mothball Prophecies. It was a surprise to Jill then. She still is surprised by it. I really wish I would have been like, no, we should not do that. That's a horrible <laughs> idea. She's like, I got this idea for a game and like, just go with it. I'm yep. like, cool. And then I'm like, no. I'm so nervous. It's it's fun. <laughs> okay. I say fun, then Jill it's yells all at me. In good fun however <laughs> it's, it's it just, gives you heartburn yes. so with the estate sale walkthrough it is a completely manufactured made-up scenario but the vintage items are real and they are if you think it's in the color you like it's in the color you like if you think it's this particular thing it's that particular thing the only catch is you can only pick one of the items listed from the list there's three different scenarios that we're going to go through okay 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 we had a great time up until this point, so I hope you still leave. <laughs> okay. and like us. We never know if this is going to make or break a friendship. Uh-oh. <laughs> Guys. Okay. I know. Okay. <laughs> Today, we're shopping at a local neighborhood-wide garage sale. We're at the Stonebrook oh, Garage Sale. One. This happens every year. The subdivision is off of Sunnyside. Okay. And they do a whole neighborhood-wide garage sale. Has this, it happened yet? Not it yet. It happens in 
June. Yes. Oh my gosh. There's a couple different, but I was like so excited to write another local estate sale walkthrough. <laughs> and I was like, the Stonebrook garage sale, we're throwing that bitch in here. It's her time. We've got our drinks of choice. We are caffeinated. We are ready to go. I've got my wagon for us to load stuff up because we're parking the cars and we're walking. I love it. Okay. Okay. We we got the eyes on the first sale. This sale comes all the way down the double driveway from the back of the garage. We spot what we're after from the street. Hanging in the garage are vintage wool blankets. Do you pick the Pendleton in autumn colors, the Hudson Bay cream blanket with the thick green, red, yellow, and black stripes, or the solid seafoam green wool blanket? Pendleton blanket. That would be my choice. Do you guys answer too, or is it just me? Mm -hmm. No, we all do. Okay. But I always so make everybody else choose first <laughs> so I can. I would choose the Pendleton blanket mm -hmm. in the autumn colors. Yes, I love That's that. my jam. Mm -hmm. I passed up a Pendleton blanket once and I kicked myself. What? Because <laughs> I had it in my hand and my husband's like, what is that? I was like, it's a Pendleton blanket. Oh, He's like, see. we don't need any more blankets. I was like, it's a Pendleton. It was like $15. Oh, no. Girl. And he was like, no. This is why he threw his rocks away. Yes, Probably. I would throw his rocks away too. <laughs> so I'm going to go with the Pendleton just because I left it. You have regret in that I one? Total regret. I am going to pick the Hudson Bay blanket. I thought you might say that. Yeah, it's like very much like it's like a full cream blanket and then two ends of the blanket have the five stripes of primary colors. Yes. I know that seafoam green mm -hmm. blanket. I already know what it looks like mm -hmm. and I yeah. regret it. It's okay. <laughs> we will circle back. Ethan's coming up the driveway to redeem himself. <laughs> we roll down the driveway and we go to the next McMansion and we scope out a shaded yard with lots of vintage. Placed out on the tables is a large collection of pots for planting, not cooking. Gosh. Oh, freak. My second jam. I'm so excited. <laughs> there is a vintage elephant ceramic planter that's Japan kitsch. A vintage alligator planter that is also Japan kitsch. You. Or a vintage dog planner that is also Japan Kitsch. I brought mimosas. All three of these are currently listed on eBay. I hate you. So, and the elephant was so cheap. Oh, God. Okay. And they're so cute. We love, let me refer to things that we love very much as stupid idiots. If we say, oh my gosh, look at this little stupid idiot, it's we are head over heels. I am going to pick the alligator. <laughs> Because he's the biggest stupid idiot of the planters. I gotta go with the dog because it can be any like way I want the dog. Any to look, way you right? want the dog. Yeah, yeah. I'll go with the, I'm a dog person. I'm a dog mama. Mm -hmm. that, they're my they're my whole world. So I go with the dog. If it was a dachshund dog planter, for sure. I'm picturing like a black lab. Yep. But mm -hmm. it's whatever we want. Yeah. <laughs> Jill, I hate you so much. I know. <laughs> Thanks for bringing snacks. Oh fuck. <laughs> Um, I actually really like this game. I'm super decisive. <laughs> like, I know, I know what I like. Everybody loves this game. I know I what I like. friends that yeah. are like, we make this our drinking part of the game. Yeah. Anytime we go fuck or eh, we drink. And I'm like, <laughs> make you would like be so screwed. Jill estate sell bingo card. I know, yeah. right? Okay, I'm going to go with the elephant. Mm -hmm. Yes. He's very cute. I'll send you the link. Yeah. Good choice. <laughs> Good choice. I am apologizing in advance for this last question. Uh -oh. To oh, my you. God. <laughs> the planners was a shot in the dark, okay? <laughs> last table we come to has amber glass. Oh, here we go. Do you take home the vintage amber glass candy dish, 
the amber cake plate or the amber hen on a nest? Okay, I already know this one. I'm going for the cake plate. Are you? Yes. Candy dish. Oh, hen on a nest. <laughs> Stupid idiot. <laughs> so we can all go home happy. I, the- <laughs> My, I want a uranium or a carnival glass head on a nest. I like the hen on a nest. It's not really my style. No. It's a little too like farmhouse looking yes. for me. Um, but the candy dishes, I've actually started using them as like apothecary jars for my macrame trimmings. Mm-hmm. So I have one with like my wood rings in it and one with my wood beads and like See? So I don't use them for candy dishes, but I love them. You fucking yeah. start the episode out like, well, I just, I, I don't just, think I'm I really. Don't... And you're... I, this is not. I don't think I'm right for this guy. Uh, oh no. gosh. You're no. one of us. You are 100% one yeah. of us. <laughs> You're just a little wee babe. I'm more invested than I thought I was, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> we just wanted you to come to this meeting and hash out everything. Yeah. This wasn't an intervention for it's you. It's good so. to talk about it because my husband probably doesn't really care at all. Yeah. So he's uninterested for the most part. Forever um, here to talk about it. Yeah, yeah. I come home and I'm like, look what I got today. And he mm-hmm. sits on the couch and does look at me and he's like, cool. Like he does not. <laughs> no, care. my husband will be like, he'll like, I'll show him everything, and he just looks at me, and he's like, I don't know what response is appropriate. Yeah. No, my husband's like, don't you already have one like that? Oh, I'm like, I get that sometimes. No, I've got a green cake plate, an amber mm. cake plate. This mm-hmm. one's pink. Mm-hmm. No, I don't have this. One. I don't have this. <laughs> yeah. I did the mantle last night, right? I put all the pictures up, and I turned to my husband. I said, How does this look? And he goes, Um. Kind of cluttered. And I was like, perfect. So I'm going for And then I just walked away. <laughs> That's what like, my husband said. Because I've got shelves on either side of my fireplace. And he's <laughs> like, could we like take maybe like no. three or four things away from each shelf? Mm-mm. And I'm like, no, we don't live in a minimalist home. No. This is not how this is going to go. <laughs> I was like, if it was up to you, everything would be black leather. So no. Not doing it. Not at all. I'm a little bit of both. I'm like a minimalist person, but I'm also this other person. Yeah, like so I don't I like clutter. Try to, but I will like stage like collections oh, yeah. together. Because it's beautiful. Well, you, yeah. If, I'm, have you seen the movie The Labyrinth um, from a million years ago? So there's there's a part. It's okay. If it's, you okay. it's my favorite. But there's a part in it where there's this woman who her name's Agnes, the junk lady, and she lives in a trash pit, and she has like her a backpack. Your spirit animal yes. right now. Uh huh. <laughs> So I posted a TikTok the other day that was like, don't be surprised if one day I just, and it turns into Agnes, the trash lady, because without restraint, it would be very bad. I've really, I've pulled the reins back on myself, but yeah, I'm a maximalist until the day I die. Which, you know, <laughs> we all got our thing. It's I got to have cool shit for when we're recording with people, Jill. Yeah. I'm not judging you. Conversation <laughs> starter. And then I sent Jill stuff of, I sent this like uh, needle point that said it's not hoarding if you have cool shit. And oh, like, I've <laughs> seen that. And I, I like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. I agree. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming and sitting down with us today. I can't wait to send you all of the local sales information. I am also excited. Yes. <laughs> I feel like we should just start a group now. Mm-hmm. We're going to get together as a big group <sighs> and go to the sa- the Stonebrook sales. I awesome. love antiquing and thrifting with people. Yeah. And like, I know I've had people who have fears of like, oh, well, they're going to find something before me. Mm-hmm. I don't have that at all. I get so excited for other people. Oh, no. Sam and I have a thing. <laughs> like, I go to the kitchen. She goes to the mm-hmm. garage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then we'll meet back. But if we see something, each other, we know each other will like, we'll, put we'll it in grab it. Yeah, I like that. Mm-hmm. I, I just get really excited. Like when I go with friends and they find something I love, but they find it. I'm like, finders keepers. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. Yeah, oh, yeah. It's Sam yours. and I always do that little like, well, <laughs> yeah. do you want, uh, 
No, you can. Yeah, yeah. You can have it. I, I just, I'm all about it. So yeah. I would love to go with you. Good. Wait, yeah. Story. Oh yeah. You are so yeah, welcome. And totally. I'm excited now to have somebody local to buy shit for if I see it. Yeah. And I could just be like, send you a message, be like, do you want this? Do you want I, me to pick this up for you? <laughs> those old wool kilims are like my freaking. Jam. Oh, and I see those too. I love about. them. Those Southwest. I love them. I want them all over my mm-hmm. house. I'll keep my just like peeled. pile oh, yeah. on top of each other. Yeah, <laughs> we will like now a be seeing them store. everywhere we go. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Yes, yep. that's every time I see one, I'll grab it for you. Thank you. Keep it. I appreciate it. Thanks so much. To hear even more about the collections we talked about today with Kelsey, stick around for this week's Curio Corner. loved sitting down with somebody again in in person yeah it that was uh it was so fun because then it really did feel like we were just hanging out because we had mimosas and little cakes and it was it was fun it was so fun and she was adorable oh my gosh she was so great and we were able to use my depression glass and you got to bring your stuff over and you were able to host and plan like you love to do (laughs) It was, it was so great. And she was so great. And I didn't realize, I think I say it during the interview, how I was like, oh, thanks for coming to a stranger's house <laughs> to sit in, sit in the basement. Know. You know, like that's, I mean, that's courage because I don't think I. No, I have way too much anxiety for that. I'm such an introvert that I'm like, ooh, no, mm-hmm. I can't. We talked about a lot of really great things. And I loved that at the end of her interview, it was revealed like, no, you really are a collector at heart. We just may not think of ourselves that way. Yeah. And like the more that she was talking, the more she was like, oh, <laughs> oh, I am a collector. And it's like, yeah, oh. you are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're one of us. You can try and skirt the issue, but you can't. We talked about a lot of really great stuff in her interview, as we always do. But one of the things we covered, this was in the Curie or the Estates at Walkthrough. I threw in Pendleton blankets. Um, I had seen some kind of, I was like, she probably likes these. She probably collects these. And my grandfather always got Pendleton shirts for Christmas. Mm -hmm. So this was a fun, like, little thing to do history on. It's like, this was a really fun uh, curio corner to look up. There's lots of really great stuff. Um, the Pendleton stuff that I got today is from Wikipedia and the Pendleton website because the Pendleton website was pretty sparse on um, what they were including and what they were including. So Pendleton Woolen Mills is a Portland, Oregon based company that has been in business since 1863. It was started by an English immigrant named Thomas Kay. He had textile experience from England and worked in mills on the East Coast as well as in England. And he decided, like lots of people, to head west and make a life for himself. And he brought along his oldest daughter, Fanny Kay. And uh, Thomas opened the second mill in Oregon in Brownsville, Oregon. And in 1876, Fanny married retail merchant Charles Pleasant Bishop. Now, I kind of included like those fast facts in the beginning because it helps tie in the rest of Pendleton's history. Uh And this formed a powerful alliance of retail, manufacturing, and sales experience when Fanny married into the Bishop family that would help the Pendleton company down the road. In 1895, the family opened the defunct mill that was originally built in 1893, known as Pendleton Woolen Mills in Pendleton, Oregon. Now, this mill was uh, pretty great because where its location was, it was located at the railhead 
um, of the Columbia Plateau. So there was lots of shipping and distributing that was happening here, which was cheaper for them to ship wool from this area than it was from any other area in Oregon. The original Pendleton Mill was known for washing and shipping raw wool to other mills, but when tariffs rose too high and it was no longer a good idea to have it as a business, it closed. And then comes in the Bishop family, they buy it and they add a new segment to the Pendleton Mill. And that's where the first, so they move from like just processing raw wool to now making textiles in the Pendleton Mill in 1909. And they constructed this new part of the mill called the finishing department. And that's where they started to make textiles. So they resumed the production of the jacquard blankets, changing the colors and patterns from the shapes before this. So prior to 1909, the blankets had round corners and the bishop's blankets featured square corners. So Pendleton round corner blankets are highly coveted by vintage Pendleton blanket collectors because they are the oldest ones. The company expanded their trade from local indigenous tribes of the Columbia River to the Navajo, Hopi, and Zuni people of the American Southwest. To do this, they enlisted the help of designer Joe Ronsley, who visited tribes to learn their customs and color preferences. I kind of take issue with this part of the Pendleton story, because I'm like, the way they wrote that to be like, he was going to get help. And I'm like, well, let's call it what it is. Was it Mm -hmm. help? Let's call a spade a spade. Like many other mills of the day, Pendleton also emulated the multicolored patterns of the candy stripe blankets, like those found on Hudson Bay's Point Blankets for the Glacier National Park project, or blanket. The Pendleton blankets became not only basic wearing apparel, but also were the standards of training and ceremonial use with indigenous people. So they were using them to wear, to trade, to do all those things. Mm-hmm. Which I'm like, uh, Pendleton, I don't know. I mean, like, um, and here's some quick Pendleton facts that I thought were really interesting. In 1912, the company opened a weaving mill in Washougal, Washington. It's across the river from Portland for the production of woolen fabrics to use in suits and other clothing. Oh. In 1924, Clarence Morton Bishop, one of the three Bishop sons, usually known as CM, started a new product line of men's woolen sport shirts and with bright colors and patterns. Prior to that time, woolen shirts had been considered work shirts and came in mostly dull colors. But in 1924, the company began producing men's woolen sport shirts. And by 1929, the company was producing a full line of woolen sportswear. Ooh, that seems hot. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and then um, during World War II in 1941 to 1945, Pendleton Woolen Mills devoted most of its production to blankets and fabrics for uniforms and clothing for the U.S. military services. So that's also a collecting aspect of Pendleton blankets is World War II blankets. Oh. Mm-hmm. oh. Which my cousin always said when she went to basic training that they had old World War II wool blankets. And I wonder if they were old World War II Pendleton blankets, which would be. I don't know. I'll have to see what I have. I know we've got a bunch of wool blankets and like some my dad got when he was in the Air Force. I just remember them being itchy as shit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's all I think about when I think of Pendleton. In 1949, they introduced a line of wool clothing after doing some research after the war. And they made clothing for women. In 1949, that's when they first were like, maybe we should do this. (laughs) 
The 49er jacket proved extremely popular and the reversible pleated turnabout skirt was also very popular because it was like two skirts in one because you could, it was reversible. Pew, pew, uh-huh. pew, pew. In 1960, a little, this was, this blew my mind, blew my mind. In 1960, a little known singing group known as the Pendletones was formed, taking <laughs> their name from the classic Pendleton wool plaid skirt. The group later changed their name to the Beach Boys. And the Pendleton shirt became a popular among American youth. Holy shit. Right? I was like, what? This has to be (laughs) fake. This has to be fake. Yeah, I was like, no shit. So as of 2019, the company is privately held under the management of fifth generation heirs of Thomas K. John Bishop is the great, great grandson of Thomas K. And he is the president and CEO great-great-grandson Peter Bishop is the executive VP of merchandising and design. The company operates seven facilities and 41 retail stores. Pendleton products are sold in the United States, Canada, Australia, Europe, Japan, and Korea. Wow. They are some of the last um, woolen mills in operation in the United States today. And all of Pendleton is still made in the Pacific Northwest. That's cool. Isn't that crazy? I did not think there was going to be that much Pendleton. No, Stuff. I just thought I thought it'd be like, well, this is where we started. This is what we're doing. No doubt, right? Wow, that's really cool. And like, they're really pretty blankets and very heavy. Yes, blankets. yeah, they're beautiful. And I still have. Um, when my grandpa passed away, there was like stuff we could go through to take of his. And I think in the closet in the office, I kept my grandpa's Pendleton shirts, mm-hmm. some of his shirts. Oh, that's so cool. He always wore them. And I'm um, I'm being a little quieter during this curio corner because my toddler tornado is napping. And we're at the end of that nap hour. So I'm using my NPR voice to do I the know. curio corner. I'm also talking quiet. However, he can't hear me. No, here in my headphones. <laughs> but it's a mom thing. You have to be quiet. It is a mom mm-hmm. thing. You know, part of the being the mom is sometimes you need a stronger drink. Yeah, and I I brought just a LaCroix to the basement with me, and it's Yeah, well, and we're having pizza tonight, so, of course, what goes with pizza? Beer. Beer. Mm -hmm. So, and she taught, we didn't, when she said this, I was just like, what? Yeah. How do I not know this? So, she talked about her dad's collection of steel beer cans. It just blew my mind. Which was like... And it was so funny to see her when she was just like, I didn't know he collected that. Like, Mm -hmm. he's got thousands of them. Yeah, the revelation on her face was just like, why didn't I ask this before? So (laughs) ask your parents about their collections. Ask them about that stuff and listen to the story. It's so fun. Because even though you see it as an annoying thing as a child, it's probably their collection. Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. So I got this off of bcca.com. Brewery Collectibles Club of America. Oh, my brain first went to branch chain amino acids first. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So the official birthday of the beer can is January 24th, 1935. That's the day cans of Kruger's Finest Beer and Kruger's Cream Ale first went on sale in Richmond, Virginia. But the beer can can really... um, but the beer can really made its debut some 14 months earlier, just before the repeal of Prohibition. Mm. American Can Company had engineered a workable beer can. 
All that was needed was the brewery willing to take the pioneering plunge. The Gottfried Kruger Brewery Company in Newark, New Jersey, signed on the dotted line in November 1933. By the end of that month, American had installed a temporary canning line and delivered 2,000 Kruger's special beer cans, which were promptly filled with 3.2% Kruger beer. Whoa. To me, that's water. Yeah. That's um, that's what you can get in Utah. Yeah, that's right. And then when you take that first sip, you're like, why is, oh, oh, oh forgot. Right, right, I'm right. in Utah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> got it, got it. And at the time, that was the highest alcohol content allowed. Wow. Which so was crazy to me because now like scotch ales are like 11 mm-hmm. half the time. Yeah. But right now, if somebody were to drink from that time now, they'd make it through half a beer and they'd be tossed. Just done for. <laughs> they take a couple sips and be like, oh, shit. You guys just drink straight liquor out of these? <laughs> I know. Be like, oh, you've, you've drank seven of them and you're still talking? Yeah. Yeah, friend, I am. <laughs> the two ca- 2,000 cans of beer were given to faithful Kruger drinkers. 91% gave it thumbs up and 85% said it tasted more like draft than bottled beer. Reassured by the successful test Kruger gave, canning the green light and history was made. Um, and then it goes on to the different types because we all know like the little, mm-hmm. but no, that's not how they started guys. Uh, the, one of the first type was a flat top style. The name is self-explanatory. This steel can first, uh, first marketed by Gottfried Kruger Brewing Company in January, 1935 um, so it was used up until the 1970s, which I was pretty surprised by that. Oh, I guess I just didn't think of, yeah. I know. It's like, oh, gosh, that's so fascinating. It's hard to imagine in this day of paper-thin aluminum containers that the first flat top cans weighed in nearly at four ounces. Oh, man. No wonder that device designed to open them, the indispensable tool we call the church key, was originally five and a half inches long, three-fourths inch wide, and a, a one-eighth inch thick. So, like, you know the cans that you, uh-huh. like, you, now that you use to open, like, this um, condensed milk and all that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. that's where that's where they came from because they had to open their beer. Wow. And then that, I always wondered who came up with the name church key. Because that's what we've always called it. We still yeah, call like right. regular bottle openers church keys. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Um, so then the, after that came the cone top styles, um, named because their funnel-like tops entered the picture in September 1935 when the G, when the G. Hellman Brewing Company of Las Crois, uh, Wisconsin, first marketed in. Schiltz was the first national brewer to follow suit. This was a style that appealed to smaller breweries because cone top cans could be filled by existing bottling lines. By 1960, though, the big nationals had driven many of those small brewers out of business and the cone top era came to an end. There are four basic types of cone top cans, the low profile, high profile, and J-spout cans are all three-piece cans. The difference is mostly in the height of the cone or spout. The fourth type was a crown crown tainer, has a one-piece body attached to the concave bottom. Wow. I've never seen these ones. They look like... um, I'm Googling it right now. Yeah. 
Yeah. They look like oh, a Oh, yeah, they yeah. um like an old spice bottle almost. Like yeah, they have the regular of. bottle cap on top of that. Mhm. Yeah. So then after that came the pull tab or tab top style. The change that revolutionized the beer can came in March of 1963 when the Pittsburgh Brewing Company introduced its flagship Iron City beer in a self-opening can. You put your finger into the ring and yank, and bingo, it was open. Wow. Schiltz took what it called the Pop Top National, and by 1965, some 75% of all cans produced an easy opening device. Pull tabs were around for a little over 10 years, then they began to uh, be replaced by this, the stay tab. And that's what we know is the stay tab style, which is the pull tabs were beer drinkers dreams and an environmental disaster. Oh. Pets and wildlife died from ingesting them as did more than few people who dropped them in the can of beer and then accidentally choked on them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've never done that. Wink. Yeah, I know. I never once like opened it and then just like dropped pushed it, it through. Mm-mm. I think my mom used to do that when I was growing up. She would like push it all the way down. Yeah. And like they, I, I think I remember my mom saying it tastes, made the soda taste better when she'd do that. And I'm like, oh. Because yeah, it's think. filled with fear now yeah. instead of just carbonation. <laughs> Be like, is this my last drink? Is it? Is it? My? Oh, it wait. is. Oh, nope. It I is. made it. Um, um, they wound up on the beaches where children cut their feet on them. They littered roadsides and damaged garbled garbage disposals. Oh no! Also, no, don't put it down a garbage disposal. It's just this realization is that we've always just been trash as humanity, right? Literally. I mean, like literally. Mm-hmm. Stay tabs were the answer. Indru- introduced in 1975 by Fall City Brewery Company of Louis- Louisville, Kentucky, they stayed connected to the can today. Virtually all carbonated beverages are marketed in cans with stay tabs, which I mean, I can't, I mean, nice cold beer from a can is just nice. Mm-hmm. However, Especially after some yard work. Yeah. Oh yeah. I try to recycle. Mm-hmm. I don't throw my stuff on the roadside. No. I, I do remember when I lived in California though, when you go to the beaches, you kind of had to watch where you stepped. That's wild. <laughs> I guess but, it's this, I guess here it's fishing stuff. Yeah, I know. Like that's like this like when we go camping, like we have coolers light because that's mm-hmm. our water. Mm-hmm. And then we bring like the fancy stuff mm-hmm. too. That's yeah. for the fire. I just tried a new beer last night from a brewing try? company in Boise. Ooh. It's called Blackberry Sour. Oh yeah. Yeah, it was good. I got it at Albert Snaz. Albertsons for those that aren't married to me. That's what we call Albertsons. <laughs> Albert Snaz. No, my favorite beer is the Kona Brewing Company. Mm-hmm. They make such nice, refreshing beers. Yes. And you know, I got to represent the Hawaii. You have to. I have, have to. to. It's in my blood. I have to. I signed on the dotted line. <laughs> so one of the things we thought was funny, because her dad had this huge collection of steel beer cans, mm-hmm. but his holy grail, grail was Billy Beer. Which I was like, I was just so stoked to hear that he had a holy grail. I know. I was just like, what is that? And so this came off of Wikipedia and it says, Billy Beer was a beer first made in the United States in July 1977 by the Fall City Brewery Company. It was promoted by Billy Carter, whose older brother, Jimmy, was then the president of the United States. 
In October 1978, Fall City announced that it was closing after less than a year of Carter's promotion. <laughs> the beer was produced by Cold Spring Brewery, West End Brewery, and Pearl Brewing Company. Oh. It must have not have been really good. Must not have. Didn't That's didn't, the only thing I really can think of. It's like, ooh, Didn't God. live up to the hype. Or people were just like, why did his brother make a beer? Yeah. Or like, he was like, I'm the president's brother. I can make beer. And then it was like, oh, God, this tastes like shit. I wish, uh, I wish my grandpa was still alive so I could just call him and be like, did you ever drink this? Billy beer? I know. I wonder if mine did too. I think they would have been in England during that. My grandpa's was a Coors guy too. Coors Light. Coors Light. Oh no, mine was a Budweiser all the way. It was my dad. I have to, I have to ask my grandma what my grandpa's beer of choice was. Cause it was, he had a beer every night until he had like his first or second heart surgery. Maybe his mm -hmm. first. No, second, because I remember it. His second heart surgery changed his palate, and he didn't like the taste of beer after that and stopped drinking oh, it. Oh, really? Oh. Yeah. yeah. It's an early COVID thing, I guess, for him. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, yeah, now it's like, it's just another thing to look at when we're out to look and see. I, I know. <sighs> a lot of the, old, like, estate sales that are coming up, too, like, with the gar like garages full of stuff, mm -hmm. I'm like, hmm, I just wonder if there's some beer cans in there. Mm -hmm. And then, well, I love that there's such a clear line of when things were changing, like age-wise with these, mm -hmm. yeah. like the really early stuff to the last, you know, it's like, oh, that's cool. That's cool. I'm also surprised it didn't go as through as many changes as I thought it was going to go through. Yeah, that's surprising. Um, another modern thing of invention that I have seen and did not expect it to have such a cool history was fairy lamps. We talked about them um, kind of at the tail end of this episode, and I have seen them, and now I am just, I have to have some. I have to have a uranium glass one. I have to. You do. I mean, that's a given. So we talked about fairy lamps, and this information I got from dustyoldthing.com, as well as just a couple various articles I had read. And I was like, I was sitting down here just like, oh my God, these are cool. So <laughs> fairy lamps were created in the 1880s and 1890s, and they were originally made for a utilitarian purpose, right? Because before fairy lamps, there was the use of regular candles or kerosene lamps. Mm -hmm. So leaving those on overnight was not a great idea because this was generally how fires started. And a fire starting in somebody's home could take out an entire neighborhood in oh, one yeah. night. Yeah. And so fairy lights or fairy lamps, um, they relied on a candle that was developed in the 1840s. And it was short and coated with paper and it was closer to what we call a votive candle today. So this candle would be set into a tiny pool of water and it could be left lit for nine hours and up to 11 hours. Oh, wow. And they would put a glass shade with a hole in the top over that candle, right? So it was enclosed. You could put it on your bedside table. You could leave it in a child's room as a nightlight. This is where the first nightlights start to come oh, from. Cool. But there was an open flame, so they were just like, they were really cautious of the risk, and having the fairy lamp was just like chef's kiss. They were like, this is innovation in its finest. The first patent for the fairy lamps, which was uh, used, wasn't filled, or it wasn't filed until 1885, and it came from Samuel Clark in London. Clark's glass two-part candle holders featured a cover for safety with a hole in the top and a fairy embossed on the bottom tray. 
Soon after these glass lanterns became known ubiquitously as fairy lamps, the lamps came in all different kinds of designs and colors. Fairy lights were an instant sensation and were adored by Queen Victoria, who is said to have bought 1,500 for her own personal use. Holy crap. No shit, right? And during the World's Fair in Chicago, 3,000 fairy lamps were sent to the organizers to be used for the World's Fair. Holy shit. Right? So fairy lamps were used into the 1920s, at which point many homes started to get electricity and candle use became less of a necessity and more of like a nostalgic thing. But in 1953, glassmakers Fenton brought the trend back and they began reproduction of the lamps. Um, the Victorian styles also became popular in the 80s and 90s and spurred another reproduction of fairy lights. So they've never really gone out of production since the 1800s. And fairy lamps can be found in clear, frosted, opaline, milk, or Vaseline glass, as well as various different shapes. So you have the traditional shape that looks like it's like on a little bit of a pedestal with the rounded top that you see with Fenton, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where the original ones were like kind of on a metal plate with a domed top that had some lines cut into it. Cause there's like, um, so some of the patterns include hobnail, fluted, art glass, cut glass hand-painted decorations, different silhouettes and stuff that were painted on them. But the only thing that's crazy is since they've been in production for such a long time, the reselling price point on them can range anywhere from $20 to $70 to one of the originals just at $500. Holy crap. Mm -hmm. But they just, I just thought that was what a great innovative thing that was made I just wonder how many houses that saved, how many people, like, just the well, ease of yeah. mind. Yeah, like, how many times have, I mean, I myself have left a candle going, and then we'd go somewhere and come back, and I'm like, well, shit, mm-hmm. I left that on, but yeah. that, I mean, and they're so pretty, too. Oh, they're gorgeous. They're so pretty, and the fact that they're still around, and yeah, mm-hmm. just add it to my list. Add it to the list. Cause I, it's like, I wonder, you know, we have like, uh, wax warmers now. Oh yeah. I wonder, I'm like, are those one day going to be vintage and people are going to have like <laughs> old catalogs to be like, do you have this one? What about this one? Have you ever seen this one? I know. And like sit finding like the vintage, uh, candle wax stuff too. Mm-hmm. I know anything I buy now and I'm like, oh, is this going to be like the end thing? Like 50 years from now, people are going to be like, right shitting themselves trying to get one i'm gonna ask that on instagram this week after this episode comes out to be like what do you think is going to be a collectible vintage item in the next 20 years from right now like i think t-shirts will always stay Mm -hmm. vintage and in i don't i don't think any of the furniture we have nowadays oh i don't know look at some of the shit out of the 80s that's coming back in 90s that's true that's true you can't be sure you can't you can't it's like I panic with these mini brands, like opening them, because I'm like, are these going to be? Is this collectible? Is this a collectible? I know. Mm. It's, it's. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that's all we have today for Miss Kelsey's Curio Corner. To see all of the items we talked about in today's episode, be sure to visit our Instagram at the Mothball Prophecies Original. Be sure to visit our website, themothballprophecies.com. We have some really excellent announcements that came out today. If you noticed, um, if you're following along as episodes are released, we have brand new cover art and a brand new beautiful moth that we have debuted to the world. 
and we have brand new merch. So be sure to visit our website, themothballprophecies.com to check all of that out. We'd like to take this time to profess our love for our dear patrons. You have helped with so many wonderful parts of the show and the rebrand. You guys were integral to all of that. You guys were seeing it first before we showed it to the rest of the world. Thank you all so, so much. Yes, you guys are... You just make our hearts go pitter-patter. Mm-hmm. That's really what this is all about. Yes. Um, so we'd like to say thank you to Emily in Nevada. Aaron in Wisconsin. RJ in Florida. Crystal in Nevada. Gina in South Carolina. Julia in Sweden. Jasmine in Kentucky. Kyla in Indiana. Shanna. Mandy. And Riley in California. TC Lionel. Melissa. Christina. Erica. Becky and Ashley in Idaho. To join our Patreon and to see the tiers listed, visit the link tree in our Instagram bio or our website, themothballprophecies.com on the Patreon tab. Be sure to follow along with us on all of the social media platforms and rate and review the show or tell your friends about it. We love talking with you guys every week and teaching you a little bit more about the vintage world. Big thank you to our support team, Gray, for making us sound good every week and spell check for making us look good on paper. As always, we hope you find some good shit. And please, please, please remember to look under the tables. Bye. See ya.